2: Hey guys, it's Allie for the Hollywood Life podcast, and we are going to jump right in to all things Met Gala. It was pretty much me and Bonnie's Super Bowl last night, uh, yes. and so totally. we are really Thank excited to talk about all of the looks. Um, and so just to kick it off, Bonnie, I have to ask you, who were your best dress looks of the night?
0: First of all, it I have to agree with you. It is the Super Bowl of fashion mm-hmm. every year. And there is more, much more of an outpouring of stars, like way more star wattage on the red carpet at the Met Gala than you see at the Oscars or mm. at the Grammys, any, any award show. I mean, it's just star yeah. after star after star. And so you have stars, of the fashion world, stars of Hollywood, stars of the music world, athletic stars, like Britney Griner was there. And I thought that was wonderful to see Brittany Griner with her wife and to think about how a year ago, Brittany Griner was in prison in Russia, Mm -hmm. like from the Russian gulag to the Met gala, like that Mm -hmm. is, you know, wonderful that she is here. And so that's what makes it so interesting. And there's it's hard to really pick Pick out people because so many people just look so astounding. And the theme was was Carl Lagerfeld, who of course designed for Chanel for you know at least a couple of decades, maybe three decades, and completely modernized Chanel mm-hmm. as a brand. It was very sleepy before he got there. Then he also had his own label, Carl Lagerfeld, and he designed for the Fendies. Yeah. And so, but most of the looks were very were very signature Chanel. And my my favorite I think was Anne Hathaway
2: hmm. because
0: a lot of people just did black and white, which yes, Carl wore black and white and he did do a lot of black and white, but she did, she kind of went for the tweed and the quilted looks that he was really famous wow. for in, in Chanel suits. And cause she had kind of quilted fabric that was made into a gown and then with gold using gold um, safety pins mm-hmm. to hold it together was very modern take. And, uh, I just thought that was like really, it was sort of a n- novel way to do it. What about you, Allie?
2: I thought that Amanda Safe raid knocked it out of the park. I mm-hmm. just thought she looked fantastic. Like, and I guess in my mind, I wasn't necessarily thinking about the theme. I was just like, Her, she just looked amazing. She wore this Oscar de la Renta nude look micro mini dress that was kind of like, it was like draped. It was so, I wrote the story on it on the site and I didn't know how to explain it with words. It's like these draped, um, I don't know, like pieces of fabric, but it's like lines. It's like uh, strings almost, but they were just these like beautiful gold strings that were just like wrapping around her whole body. Um, and she had her hair in these just like big brushed out voluminous curls a red lip she just looked fabulous um it was very dramatic it was very different and her makeup was yeah. so it was kind
0: of a very heavy almost like Wednesday from Adam's family makeup like so just very so different glam. for her
2: yeah, it was yeah. so different. So I just loved seeing her in that. But I will say that my favorite, like my best dressed on theme look, was early in the evening. It was Dua Lipa. I thought she looked absolutely stunning. Oh, yeah. Maybe and I'm she in was
0: my one of the co
2: Yeah, maybe I'm in my bridal era. But I absolutely loved. She paid tribute to Carl um, by wearing a 1992 bridal wear design. He always used to end his shows with a yes. um, bridal piece, and Claudia Schiffer wore it. Um, in the show and, and I, really, I would have loved to see Claudia uh, I know actually. I'm
0: surprised She's a, you know former supermodel yeah. and she was really iconically associated with Chanel in fact I shot her in Chanel for my very first Flair magazine cover which is my I don't know Marie Claire cover Marie Claire launching Marie Claire here in the states and yeah. Where was Claudia? She should have been there.
2: That was really surprising to me. She was considered Carl's muse. Um, so I was very surprised that she wasn't there, but I did think Dua Lipa did the look proud. She wore a Tiffany and co necklace. I believe it was over 200 carats.
0: Yeah. It was massive. It was massive. Ah, Yeah, and also the other co-host, Penelope Cruz, also wore a very iconic bridal look with beautiful Spanish lace around Mm -hmm. her face. And I thought that was absolutely stunning too.
2: I would say it was one of my favorite years because personally, I like couture gowns. I don't like the costume-esque looks yeah. sometimes that come in. I think it's too much. I, I, maybe cause I'm just looking for things that I would possibly wear. So I really love to see everybody, you know, just rocking these gorgeous silhouettes and just really well-made gowns that honestly, I was like, wow, they're probably so happy and comfortable, even though they're in <laughs> like heels and structured gowns. I still was like, it must be very comfortable for them. <laughs> well, I also
0: thought, um, that, that some of the younger stars, like just looked like Olivia Rodrigo. I just thought that that was so beautiful. She had like black and white sort of floral camellias on a strapless gown. And then it was black and white stripes. I thought mm-hmm. it, they were very the stripes were really fun, but kind of delicate. And then Jenna Ortega did a real Wednesday take on a, yeah. like a shirt, um, yep. kind of Really? It like
2: a, a yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Something, also, kind of dress. something that I also loved was that um, Nicole Kidman wore her vintage Chanel dress that she had worn in a Chanel number no. five commercial yeah. several years ago. She doesn't age. She looked amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: I know. Let's just talk about that for a second. The fact that you can wear something from like 20, 25 years ago and it still fits. It
2: still fits like a glove and looks good.
0: Yeah, I know. Now let's just talk about Kendall's look. What did you think she was wearing? She literally looked like a 1960s playboy bunny in a, (laughs) in a, Black bodysuit, sort of sequin bodysuit with a white collar. I mean, that's exactly how Playboy
2: bunnies dressed
0: in the clubs, the Playboy bunny clubs.
2: Interesting. I thought it was a look that only Kendall Jenner could wear.
1: Whenever yeah, well, of she was course. That cala,
2: she likes to show off her body, so it was very cheeky. Um, and you know, I thought it was fun. I. I again I would like to know and I and I don't know the inspiration behind it and how it connects to the theme. Um it was black
0: and white. That's about the only thing. It was kind of very yeah. some of these black things, and white. some
2: of these items from other people's collections like because I was curious when I found out okay the theme's Carl Lagerfeld well not everybody can wear Chanel to the Met Gala like they work with designers that make things inspired by the theme. Right. So, I was curious how other designers were going to look to Carl without fully copying. So everything did have, you know, some sort of twist, like all the Michael Kors looks were heavily inspired, but not Chanel. But this look besides the black and white, like there was nothing that I could really tell that was so like Carly.
0: Well, speaking of that, like, what about Kylie? She didn't look at all.
2: So Kylie, Carl yeah. So Hader, who is the Jean Paul Gaultier um, designer that worked with Kylie on her dress, was best friends with Carl. the dress. I had read something about what the dress was designed, but also the it was modeled after a Chanel line. There was it was it was modeled after one of his dresses, and same with the jacket. The jacket was actually a vintage. Andre Leon Tally uh, jacket from Chanel. It so, was a
0: beautiful gown, actually, like that red gown that was mm-hmm. underneath. It was, I mean, it looked comfortable. Speaking of comfortable, that's what I was
2: saying. It was like a little, people were calling it boring, but she looked good. You know?
0: She looked great. um I felt it to me, it looked more like Terry Mugler than Karl Lagerfeld, but I mean, it did look that like was. Moubler.
2: It did. It was kind
0: of futuristic looking.
2: Mm-hmm. I was a
0: little disappointed in JLo's look because she is, yeah, you didn't like it either.
2: Uh-uh. It, it just didn't
0: quite hold together. She did black and white. I mean, of course, she and, like, looked gorgeous. Pink.
2: Pardon? It's, it was like pink. It was like a light pink, like black. Really? It's like ivory.
0: Uh, ivory. But then, then she had this sort of camellia thing around her neck, and the hat was too much. The yeah. beautiful bandeau, like showing her chest and, and her abs. I mean, that was incredible. But it was just sort of like a little over, too much, over the top. Um, and there was, listen, a lot of of stars showed their skin and uh, as an accessory. Yes. Um but I love that there was news that broke out of the Met Gala.
2: Yeah, like William. Two baby bump, two baby bump debuts. We had a Carly yeah. and Serena Williams. I love that, and I'm so happy for Serena too because, you know, she's recently retired, and we knew that she had been trying to have another child, and so I'm so excited for her, and of course Carly as well, both pregnant with their second kids.
0: Yeah, and and with Serena, she had a really tough first pregnancy. And I, she almost died, like she had a problem in childbirth mm-hmm. and you know, she's 40, so she's older. She probably waited, to, I guess, to try again until she was retired. So it was taking a bit yeah. of a chance. So I was really happy for her too to to see her just looking so beautiful and, and very clearly so happy that she was mm-hmm. pregnant. And what did you think of um, Pedro Pascal,
2: (laughs) (laughs) his red red coat, his red shirt, his shorts? I mean, I don't know much when it comes to men's fashion, to be completely honest. So like, I don't feel like I want to comment other than like, other than like, I thought that Jared Leto looked interesting in the cat costume. <laughs> you know, I don't have much other to say than that, uh, that that I felt like Jared was really on theme.
0: Well, yeah, because he did not just any cat, but he yeah. came as Chopin, who was Carl's big, white, fluffy cat that he, yeah. that he like, loved to death. Like, there yeah. were rumors that he left his entire $100 million yeah. fortune to the cat. The cat, I sure hope that wasn't true.
2: Now, I'm curious what you thought of Kim Kardashian's uh dress because I found some things about it a little controversial, but I want to hear your thoughts.
0: Well, as usual, it was impractical, and <laughs> you know, like that is her theme it's always how will she get up the stairs? You know, she's gonna have to have a lot of help to try and pay there's just no way you can get that dress up and pee. And it broke, like she has a malfunction. Like last year when she wore Marilyn Monroe, she tore the dress and she couldn't get up the steps and she needed help. Like every year it's the same thing. And so this year with all the pearls, I thought it was okay. Yeah, it wasn't blown away, it was interesting. It was kind of very Josephine Baker, which I think is kind of interesting
2: so everybody thought it was kind of reminiscent of her playboy playboy yeah magazine shoot from 2007 where she was literally covered in pearls um so i thought that that was interesting but the other thing i thought was interesting was that the dress was done by um the creative director of Scarparelli which is an italian um brand And the designer, the head designer, their founder, um, Elsa Schiaparelli passed away just last year. She was Coco Chanel's biggest rival. (laughs) They hated each other. And so I was like, interesting that you would like go do a Karl Lagerfeld inspired dress with Schiaparelli when Chanel and she like did not get along at all. So I thought that that was like a really kind of controversial moment.
0: What's interesting that, that, knowing that Scaparelli was the inspiration or the designer who did it worked for Scaparelli because her makeup was very Sophia Loren, which is, mm. and the hair, very Sophia Loren, which of course is Italian. However, the um, woman, this very tall woman who starred in Game of Thrones, she was also in a gown that was by Scaparelli. Mm. So Scaparelli was kind of all over there. Yeah, and, uh, making a some kind of statement from the grave. Interesting. Like you thought you escaped me yeah. in death, Chanel Coco, <laughs> but I'm here. <laughs> um then so then also um little Naz speaking of Kind of controversial, he kind of came as his almost nude self, all in yeah, uh, spray paint. I hope it wasn't paint, I'm sure it was something that was healthier than that, but covered in, in like oh,
2: that's not even pearls. a design, that's not even an outfit. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, you've got to like w- it's about a show, right? It's about expressing an artistic creation so he turned himself into an artistic creation.
2: Yes, I don't disagree with that. Um now beyond the fashion obviously things happened inside of the Met Gala. It is an event, not just a red carpet. So we were just talking about Kim, one of the pictures that came out uh early in the evening from inside the Met Gala was of Kim chatting with Usher and her ex Pete Davidson. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But
0: she and Pete had a very amicable breakup. I mean, we heard he was heartbroken. I'm sure that, that it was tough for her too. I don't, I think there's no hard feelings there. And that were they were, remember he was in touch with her during the divorce, which happened after they split up. So I'm sure they were really happy to see each other yeah smile. I can I, I know listeners funny. can't see Allie but she's got this knowing smile on her face like, I just
2: yeah I just wanted to narrate the the pictures because it like looked for a second upon first glance it looked like Pete was like interrupting Kim's conversation with Usher, and she like put her hand up, like almost like in front of his face, but it was like a choking hand. Like it looked like an angry hand that was like, Stay away from me. But then they were like smirking at each other. I mean, it was a cute little moment, but I thought it was very funny that it was all caught on camera.
0: Yeah. And I, they did, I think they did pictures together and everything. I, yeah. I, he always falls so hard in love whenever he's like Ugh. in love.
2: I know. Yeah. Well, now I'm curious. Like, I wonder what his girlfriend thinks about the interaction. Yeah. Hmm. He didn't bring her. Because I would always be like, it doesn't matter if you dated Kim Kardashian ten years ago or like two years ago or one year ago. I would always be nervous about Kim Kardashian if my ex boyfriend had dated her or if my current boyfriend had dated her. I'd always be like, she's got a hold on me. <laughs> Another couple out of the evening was kendall jenner and bad bunny so they didn't walk the carpet together which like kind of to be expected i think but then like immediately connected hooked up inside um and they were then they left together went back to the ritz together changed into some after party looks and went to the met gala after parties together
0: so clearly a couple Clearly, yes. you... yeah, yeah. Oh, mean, I think I'm totally. I, I'm so I'm
2: I'm like totally a couple. And I thought that the um, so the pictures of them from inside the Met Gala are really cute because he's like looking at her outfit and she's like like I don't know they like seem really cute together. And I didn't I've never really feel like I've seen them interact other than like when they're hiding from paparazzi coming out of things. Right. So this was like a nice first thing to like see them together and be like, wow, that's really cute. They're cute.
0: Yeah, they're flirty together. They're having fun yeah. together.
2: Yeah. And so I like
0: they're also both
2: staying at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Yes. Well, I don't know if they're both staying there. I think maybe they're staying there together. But he was, he ran back with the Kardashians in their van, their sprinter van to change. Because there's video. Mm-hmm. So yes, no. they went to Zero Bond after party. The Chanel after party. Just
0: talk about the lack of clothes at the Zero Bond after party. <laughs> I mean, everybody changed. Nobody really seemed to go there in their same look. And they all stripped down. These people must have all been out all night because, you know, the Met Gala, like the dinner doesn't even get going till about 8 30.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: they, by the time they all get in there, because the cocktail goes on yeah. for quite I mean, a while. The,
2: Rihanna didn't show up, I don't think, 9 930. So yeah. I don't know if she can get anything started without her. Yes.
0: Oh, I think things started without her. I just wonder if she even got any dinner by the yeah. time she got there. Yeah, I think they would have definitely started. But um, yeah, the whole thing isn't. That's You don't get a lot of food at the Met Gala dinner. People have complained about it, that there's not a lot to eat there. It's not exactly a big dinner. So you got to eat before you go. And um, but when they they went to the after party, I mean some of them just wore like what looked like bikinis to the after party. I mean, Kendall, Kendall basically was wearing black, a black thong and a black bra with this kind of sheer plastic dress on top of it. And Doja Cat was the same thing, like black. Underwear, black bra, and then kind of a, a, a like a dress that was sheared just with all holes all in it. I don't even know what you call that. Like it was just come. And then there were others who were just wearing bikinis. They were sort of fancy with gold well, and stuff around is, them.
2: They were so over being all like covered up at the mecca <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it looked like, so. Kendall's dress that she wore for the after party was a Lagerfeld inspired design. Um, I don't think his was sheer, but it was a Lagerfeld inspired design. Um, And yeah, I mean, I thought that the looks, you know, it's an after party. So of course the looks are going to be sexy and Kendall always goes sheer. Um, And, you know, I thought that Rihanna, she stepped out, she did her little crop top situation for the after party, um gosh olivia wilde's after party look was totally nude like like it was like a full it was a dress but it had just like holes all over it also
0: yeah um, and i like that. here who's here's an, Rita Ora was basically in what looked like a chanel bikini with shell chain with chanel gold chain belts all around the waist and um Dua Lipa was wearing what kind of looked like men's, like an old fashioned bathing suit or men's underwear with like a bra top and then kind of long bike, sort of bike style underwear shorts, and again with some gold, gold accessories. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, what do you think about what do you? What I think at the end of the day for our listeners, what do you think about those kind of looks?
0: Hey if you, if you're comfortable in them, why the hell not? Like, <laughs> what I mean, what's wrong with the female body? Yeah. Which <laughs> is sort of funny though, that it's like a fashion show and then they wore so little, but I also thought it was super cute. Like, um, Jenna Ortega, she had that great Wednesday look. And then for the after party, she had a super cute, like, super mini kind of black corset dress and underneath a sheer white shirt so very in keeping with the theme and with a bow tie like a chanel bow tie and and black socks and black and white shoes like really clever and thought out Mm -hmm. penelope Cruz wore a beautiful chanel cocktail dress with a camellia and at at her um they get her uh, cleavage and then a corset with it. it was very cool Oh, yeah, these women are just so beautiful they really are yes. well, just ageless and beautiful
2: I can't agree more I uh I'm sad we have to wait a whole other year for the first Monday in May but it's always fun recapping the show with you okay right
0: but then Naz on the other hand put on clothes <laughs> baggy shiny jeans and a fur vest that was just cut out to show his chest that guy must just work out all the time I mean or he has all pecs. the time
2: he's working out it like he's working out running yeah. around on stage I think like
0: 16 packs like individually defined on his torso <laughs> and then he had a piece of fur across it sort of like very Tarzan looking Ugh.
2: Well, before we wrap up today, we should mention as well that at the Met Gala after parties, it appeared that a non-Met Gala attendee attended the after party. And that was Leonardo DiCaprio. And maybe he was attending the party to visit his on-again, off-again fling, Gigi Hadid. Mm -hmm. There are rumors that they have rekindled their romance. So we are going to be keeping an eye on that. Yeah,
0: they showed up at the same Oscar parties a couple of times too. Yeah. Oh, and before we go too, I want to talk about Rihanna, who kept everybody waiting. Like
2: She always keeps everyone waiting because she is a queen.
0: I know, but this this was like way long. Like this was, you know, not just 20 minutes later. It was 40 minutes at least, 45 minutes after everybody else finished the carpet. The poor photographers are exhausted and they just want to pack up and, you know, get their Pictures out, and of course she showed up. She and I mean, it got to the point where we were going. Do you think she went into labor? Like, nah. serious? Yes. I,
2: I mean, she's very pregnant. She could have been very pregnant. She definitely could have got. No, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, she definitely third like, trimester.
0: Yeah, did she go to the? Did, maybe she went to the uh-huh. hospital instead of coming. And then she finally showed up, and she had this. You know, incredible camellia covered white jacket wrap and a beautiful white gown. I mean, she looks stunning. And ASAP Rocky was wearing a kilt, red kilt over his jeans. I wonder what the meaning of that was.
2: I don't remember trendy. any
0: kilt, just being trendy.
2: <laughs> I know. Well, I, like I said, I'm already excited for next year. Can't wait to hear what the theme is going to be. Maybe we'll get to go. Um, but hey,
0: you should start working on our invites now.
2: I should, I should, I'm going to do that. Yeah.
0: Um, yes.
2: but in the meantime, guys, we have a really great interview coming up next, right on the, uh, cusp of the Tony nominations today. So stay tuned for us chatting with Kevin Cahoon from shut Tony nominated Kevin Cahoon.
0: Yes, he is Tony nominated. You have your first Tony nominee interview here on Hollywood life on the Hollywood life podcast. So stay tuned because he is fantastic.
1: Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
0: Hey, guys. We're here with the Hollywood Life Podcast, and we've got such a special guest today. And we've got so much to tell you about what he's involved with. But before I do that, let me introduce my co-anchor, Allie Stagnita. Hey, Ali.
2: Hi, Bonnie. Yes, we're so excited about this guest. Um, as we mentioned on some of um, our past podcasts when we've had some Broadway friends join us, we are coming upon and In the Midst of Tony's season. And so as Bonnie and I both are in the heart of New York, we love to have our fellow Broadway friends come join us and talk about all of the work that they're doing. Um, so really excited to have this guest today. Bonnie and I both guests show Um, and Bonnie I'll let you do the introductions.
0: Okay well everybody has got to see the show that our guest is from. It is a new Broadway show called Shucked and it is fantastic and we are welcoming one of the big stars of the show. Hey it's Kevin Cahoon.
2: Hello
1: thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh well, my. we're thrilled to have you.
1: I am thrilled. Quite an <laughs> honor. I really appreciate it. Truly.
2: So excited to have you. And I mean, you know, as a background, this show has been in the works for 10 years. Wow. Um, Robert Horn, Brandy Clark, and Shane McAnally have been working on it for a while. And I actually just spoke to Robert who did the book. And he said, Kevin, you are the one cast member that has been there from the beginning.
1: Yes, I have been hanging on to the back of the pickup truck. They (laughs) can't get rid of me, I'm (laughs) telling you. Yeah, um, my journey with the show, I had seen uh, an article in the New York Post that said they were creating a Broadway musical with Hee Haw as its source material, you know, the famous longest-running syndicated television show in history, 27 years, Um, and I thought, well, maybe there's a spot for me in this world. I kind of know the that world. Um, And
0: Texas, right? I'm from Texas.
1: Yeah. Uh, Houston, outside of Houston. And my family was a rodeo family. My dad was a calf roper. My parents met in the rodeo club and I spent my childhood doing rodeos as a rodeo clown Um, (laughs) from five to 15. I did the whole circuit in Texas and Oklahoma. And we did the big Houston livestock show and rodeo at the Astrodome every year. And I always thought I was going to be a rodeo clown. So when I said I wanted to be an actor, my parents had a sigh of relief. They were like, oh, good. <laughs> and <actor. laughs> <A clown. laughs> you know, it's not the safest of professions. Um, but anyway, I called my agents and they said, no, they see a different type in the role. So I kind of finagled my way, got an audition. And I knew the minute I read the material that it was the funniest, most heartfelt material I'd ever had for an audition. And, I got the job and we went to Dallas uh, nine years ago. And then over, you know, creative team upheavals, we did a small run in Connecticut. We did a Salt Lake City run, uh, a pandemic in the middle of it all. Yep. Finally here at the Nederlander on Broadway. And it feels like the greatest accomplishment I could have ever uh, hoped to have been a part of.
0: Well, you know, I don't think that too many Broadway stars can say that they grew up as ro- in a rodeo family. Isn't that family true? Family. I mean, <laughs> you had pretty exceptional bona fides for this role. Um, but do you want to tell our audience of listeners and and viewers what Shucked is about because it is so different from what you would people normally think of for Broadway.
1: Absolutely. It is a brand new, completely original Broadway American musical. It's not based on any movie. It's not based on a catalog of songs. Everything in it is uh, right out of the heads of the three creators. Robert Horn, who won the Tony Award for Tootsie um, and wrote the television show Designing Women. And Shane McAnally and Brandy Clark, who are the premier songwriters in Nashville and beyond, Um, And they have written a show about a town, Cobb County. It is surrounded by a wall of corn. No one has ever gone out of this wall. No one has ever come in. The corn is starting to die. So they are faced with, do we leave to get help? Do we allow outsiders in? And uh, our plucky hero, our heroine, if you will, takes the stalks into her own hands, so to speak, (laughs) and uh, tries to solve the problem. And so it is a hilarious, I can say that because no one would disagree. It is hilarious and it is heartfelt and you will be surprised by the end, how connected you are to the plight of these people. And you'll say, oh my gosh, they remind me of my cousin they remind me of my aunt. I know that person. Even if you're from the most uh, urban New York City environment, LA, Chicago, you will connect with um, the people in this story.
2: Something that I loved about it is that nobody was necessarily like a caricature. Right. You know, either when you went to the, to the city of Tampa or right. when you came um, you know, to this kind of small town USA, there was no like you're like these like caricatures uh, of what you think quote unquote middle america would look like like everybody was humanized and everybody had feelings and uh even your character peanut he had lots of thoughts he (laughs) He has a
1: lot of thoughts thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) yes um in our director jack o'brien who is a theater legend he has three tony awards and he's in the Theater Hall of Fame, and he directed Hairspray and The Coast of Utopia, which is you know on either sides of the spectrum of like the most serious drama and the most fabulous, fantastic, hilarious musical. Was very, very conscious of humanizing every character, giving every character a singular, unique voice. And I've had people after the show who wait to uh, see us come out of the door and meet us, and they have said, "I'm from Iowa. I'm from Nebraska. I'm from Ohio." it's the first time i've ever felt like i have been represented on a broadway stage and yeah. it not we're not being made fun of right not, not honored, mocked celebrated and honored and i think that's something that's so special about the show um and uh peanut is my character and he is the uh the brother of um our lead and he he's such a fabulous um character to get to inhabit eight times a week i'm I'm so 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 lucky
0: he is so he is so funny and so down to earth and i want to ask you about some of his best lines because he's like his court like every joke is corny like everything is like being corny but i just want to ask a bit about this the concept like it's kind of brigadoonish in that you know they're sealed off from the world,
1: absolutely by a
0: wall of corn. But yet somehow they seem to know about airplanes and yes,
1: they do. <laughs> they're wearing they do. denim, <laughs> yes, they do. And that you know, there's a couple of uh, <clears throat> you know cultural references of our time.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: <laughs> that they are familiar with, and I think that they get you know they hear through the corn what's happening on oh. the outside, um, and. You know, they, they have their ear to the corn, so to speak. Um, but it's a lot like what I've thought of as an Amish community. I don't know much about the Amish community, but I would think that's what it would be like, that they are uh, participating in the world, but yet they're not engaged in the world, if that makes any sense. Um, they can't ignore what's happening on the outside.
2: Well, and I think that it's, um, it's interesting. And again, was speaking to Robert who like kind of conceptualized this. Um, he was, he kind of explained how he, when he was thinking about how to like entrap these people almost, like he needed to think of something that would gro- like grow tall. to like, sure. you know, like, and I, cause I was like, how did you come up with like a play about corn like where did that uh, go yeah, why, right. corn? why <laughs> corn and you know versus anything else and and so it was it was definitely it's an interesting concept um it, but is. it works it works so well
1: it does and you know corn is represents the heartland of the country you know it is the it is the product that has sort of <clears throat> i guess cotton at one point historically but then corn really is like a driving economic engine for this country and you know there's something that just represents rural america in the greatest way by and you are i am shocked to find so many corn references now that i'm sort of my yeah. eyes are open to it oh yeah it's everywhere it really is it's incredible
0: it's so funny. Well, why do you think that the term corny came about. Like what, is, because this show is corny. Right. But yes, it is it to do
1: with corn. Right, corny, that is so corny. I, I wonder, because it's simple and true. I was thinking a lot about, a lot of my, Peanut du- uh, directly speaks to the audience okay. with his thoughts that are going on in his head that are non sequiturs and not really connected to the plot. Um, And I was thinking a lot about addressing the audience in a comedic way in a country setting. And I was thinking of Minnie Pearl and Jerry Clower and all of those great country comedians who came up out of the depression and the Dust Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, And they connected with rural America in a simple, pure way. And that audience had not seen themselves in popular culture much before um, so they were a conduit for those people feeling uh heard and seen and represented and so i i like to think of peanut as one of those country comedians yeah. from back in the day even jeff foxworthy to a certain extent today does yes. that <laughs> yes he does
2: What inspired you, you know, being part of something for 10 years and not necessarily knowing if it's going to Broadway, if it has legs, like what exactly it's doing. And you have a million jobs in between those 10 years as well. Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, What kept you on this project?
1: Well, I knew I had to do everything I could to stay involved with the project because I have been an actor for decades, Luckily, and I've done this is my sixth Broadway show, and I've probably done maybe eight off-Broadway shows in regional theater. And I've never connected with a script in the way that I connected with this script. It was so funny. The score is incredible. These songs are amazing. It's so heartfelt. And there was something magic in the rehearsal room. I knew that it was a singular show that was going to connect with people. And and I had the great fortune to be in the original cast of The Lion King. Mm-hmm. And it was a similar feeling when we were doing readings of that show originally. Um, it was a similar feeling in the rehearsal room, the energy, the discovery, the-, um, the Magic, you could magic, feel the magic. Magic, really, and it's rare. And so I thought I gotta do everything I can to <laughs> stay yeah. in the show. <laughs>
0: Can you give us, our audience, a couple of examples of these hilarious lines that Peanut, you know, these non, the, the thoughts that, that yes. come into his head, like my, one of my favorites was um, head over heels, which is really standing.
1: That's right. It's point. so simple. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Robert Horn has put a cone of silence around us. If we, if I were to give you any jokes that were in the show, I would (laughs) fire and throw it into the Hudson River. However, (laughs) I think I can share some that were cut.
0: Oh, Ah! Oh, even better. Yeah. Which
1: is kind of fun. It's
0: like extras.
1: It's like extras, right? It's yeah, it's your DVD extras, um, your podcast extras. So Peanut has a, a series of I Thinks that he does throughout the show and it's always a series of three. So I will give you some of these I think that were cut. We tried them in previews and they just, you know, they didn't hit well or they would, but they wouldn't hit as strong as the others. Um, Okay. So here we go. Here we go. Um, I think it's hard to know if somebody plays the bagpipes. Well, I think the only thing, (laughs) I think the only thing worse than a cold toilet seat is a warm toilet seat.
0: <laughs>
1: I think lots of sports could be made better just by adding a bear. <laughs> this is the world of the Ipics. Those were three. That, oh, I think if pronouncing your Bs like Vs makes you sound Russian, then Soviet.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my gosh! There There's you go. There's
1: wisdom. four cut kernels of wisdom from peanut uh, kernels
2: of wisdom. <laughs> kernels of wisdom. And like it's so funny because all of them are kind of true. Like uh, then when yes, you they are,
0: it, you Aren't know,
2: you're like, oh, that's true. You know when um Gray <laughs> says who's one of the storytellers um that a. You Know it's one of the biggest unsolved mysteries, which is just a mystery. Oh, like unsolved mystery, like a uh-huh. of mystery, yeah.
1: yeah. Like, I know
2: things. Oh,
1: it's so good. I think any dog can be a C&I dog if you don't care where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's
2: funny, yeah. It so good now. Kevin, I'm curious because, you know, we talked briefly before. I'm a massive country music fan um, and have, you know, been such a fan of Shane and Brandy's artistry for so long. Mm. Um, Tell me, like, I felt a difference, especially within the score when it came to, you know, a typical Broadway show and the music that was in Shucked because I, I think that country artists and singer songwriters can Write in so short and say so much. Yes. What did you, like, what was kind of different for you? um, Especially when it came to the music aspect of it and just like this country aspect of it.
1: Well, it's true. You're absolutely right. It's like country music is just an arrow to the heart
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's, they all, they say all great country songs are just three chords and the truth.
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: that's why it fits so well in a theater setting
2: yeah
1: because they are telling the truth in a way that is not surrounded by structure that you would normally hear or theme that you would normally hear or expectations that you would normally think you would be hearing in a Broadway show it is um it is so singular it is so unique it is like a breath of you know, fresh air, I think, as Brandy and Shane, as this is their Broadway debut. to do this on your Broadway debut wow. is that is remarkable. yeah, and Alex Newell has a fantastic song, independently owned, oh, which will that is
0: that was my favorite. <laughs> one was. of
1: great. Broadway standard classics there. Are, it's going to be in everybody's audition book. There are drag queens all over the country that are performing this song all Good. And it is like it, it. it's just and it's, you know, it's Brandy and Shane's writing and it's Alex's spectacular um, singing and performance of the song. It is. And then you've got Andrew Durand, who sings Somebody Will. Which could be number one on the country radio station. That's what I all. said to
2: I said that I was like, this needs to be a single.
1: Yes. Like, his oh, performance and his voice is so flawless on that song. Oh. And the woman of the world that Caroline mm-hmm. Anna Bickler sings is another great, great song. Like it's yeah. just
2: and walls, measy sings walls. walls. And it's just like it like that's even just what I mean. Like you say so much in just like
1: I know, and,
2: I know. It, uh, and, and you know like
1: Andrew it. has a lyric in somebody will where it's so simple he says um I keep my dogs fed and my soul is saved mm. I mean that is like simple simple it, it's just gorgeous it's gorgeous
0: yeah, and also his the what he expresses his yes. emotion at being rejected yes it, from by the love of his life in that and somebody will love him. He's consoling himself. That yeah. is the emotion that, I mean, and everybody has had that experience and that they can relate to.
1: I mean, yeah, Bo Andrews is having a bad day. Like his <laughs> a really girl has left him and his livelihood is dying around him. Right. And we have all felt our worlds collapsing around us, but yet that's what's so great about a musical too, is that this optimism this American optimism that no matter how bad things get, we are going to survive and persevere. Like, that's what I love about musicals, even if it's Lame Is. Everybody's dead at the end, but they all <laughs> come back on and sing, Tomorrow's gonna be a better day. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> right. that's what's great about a musical.
2: <laughs> exactly. And that's why I think, too, I'm obviously such a Broadway buff, such a country music fan for like, it to come together makes so much sense. Like theater is the just original raw storytelling. Yeah. And for country music to combine with that, I think it opens up the audience as well. Make Broadway more relatable, not this kind of like stuffy old person, you know, filled rooms.
1: Truly like this show connects with everyone. And I'm seeing that the more we do the show, the more I see it. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you do, you know, what you believe, this show speaks to you. And, you know, the theme, the uh, the thesis of this show is that we are stronger together. And that is at the core of what America is all about. All of these people from all over the world came to this country Join the Indigenous people and said, we are stronger together. And that's what this show, the message of this show is.
0: Mm-hmm. Did, the, did, did the script a change, like adapt over the years? Because I really felt that the message of coming together and not being divided, if there is, I remember a line about someone saying, you know, all you do is divide people, or we don't want people who are going to divide us here. Right. We want we want to all come together. We want to be together, not divided. And that's That's completely relevant.
1: Yes, and the metaphor of the wall, you know, walls were very present in the news cycle um, when this show was being written, um, you know, five years ago, six years ago. And it's true, it's true. Walls walls do nothing. Walls do nothing because somebody's gonna climb over it or get under it. (laughs) That's always going to happen. So the Cornwall, I thought, was such a beautiful, smart metaphor for Robert to connect this show with and, you know, break it down.
2: Yeah, I know. I I feel like um, obviously things were put on hold due to the pandemic. Um, But do you feel like this is just the best time for the show to to be on Broadway?
1: Yes, we had a whole out of town production for Washington DC scheduled before the pandemic. Um, And I feel like that the pandemic, this show where it has found its moment, it's found its voice, it's found its heart. And the pandemic was part of that. And there was a social reckoning in this country during the pandemic. And I think that that allows for this show to be even richer than it would have been before. Um, it has allowed us all to see each other in a way that we may not have seen each other before, to open our hearts in a way, to open our minds in a way. And for 1,200 people a night to sit together in a theater and hear a common truth spoken that we all want to attain to, like, I don't think anyone wants to be like alone and separated and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Deep down in their heart, I think, they um, people want to be together they want to find their tribe they want to find their collective group and this show does that no one's on their phones (laughs) everyone's sitting there watching um these characters sort out their problems
2: and laughing like the majority of (sighs) the time i mean my face hurt i kept i just would look up at my fiance and just we would laugh he he's such a dad joke guy too yeah
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah, I think even the most jaded person will, by the end, cannot control themselves. And you yeah. no, don't
0: it. have to wait till the end. I mean, it's from right from the start. Let me just ask you about Broadway itself because I think, you know, the pandemic lasted for so long.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Broadway was dark for at least a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you feel It just about it coming back? To me, it just seems like it has just... Exploded back.
1: It feels that way. I mean, it really does. There's such a um, an energy in Times Square. There's an energy within the streets. There's an energy in the theater. People are so happy to be back and back together, and you know, celebrating this great American art form. Like, it's just it's incredible. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, the theaters are packed packed
1: yes the
0: streets yeah. are packed like trying to get to the theater oh packed. yeah
1: the streets are so full of life so and there is sort of like a celebratory feeling you know i imagine this might have been what it was like after world war ii like when the war ended there was a feeling in the streets of like a relief and like oh we can get back and we can start again i i i feel that i mean I wasn't alive after World War II, but I can only imagine <laughs> after that,
2: Celebration. Movie,
1: that, you know, that, you know, communal trauma, you come out of that in a way that is uh, stronger.
2: Yeah. And I'm sure as well, like you and your fellow cast, like aren't taking any single day or performance for granted. I mean, oh. how has that been You just even returning to the stage eight times a week—that's a lot.
1: It's incredible. It's—I cannot wait to get back to the theater every night to do it. I really can't. How how
0: do you? How do you keep your energy up? Eight days, eight performances a week,
1: like physically, emotionally. Yeah, I mean, you have to sort of just keep an eye on yourself. I take a lot of naps um especially one in the afternoon you know usually if, even if i get 10 or 15 minutes in that is like a good you gotta eat right you gotta take care of your body um you know you just my duty and my job is to tell peanuts truth eight times a week at the niederlander and anything i can do to help you know be a storyteller for robert brandy and shane's vision that's what i'm gonna do Um, And it's an honor and it's a privilege to be in a Broadway show. There are so many people that would dream about it. I dreamed about it. I haven't done a Broadway show in 16 years. And so I've had good fortune with um, other jobs, but for some reason Broadway has just, there were a lot of shows that were coming to Broadway and then they closed or didn't quite make it. And it's, I cherish it and, and I don't take it for granted.
2: Wow. So, what was it like, even to like be back on the stage that first opening night or opening
1: preview for Uh, fall? It was incredible, and you also don't know what you're gonna get. You're like, well, we've got a new baby here. Let's see if it uh, walks or runs or dances. (laughs) And you know, I knew from the minute that it started that it was working. Like right off the bat, the audience was so on board and they were so game. And you know some audiences can start quieter at the beginning of the first act, but by the time we get through the Tampa sequence, everybody is like on board.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's, the fact too that like independently owned is right in the middle of the first act, right? And has a standing ovation nearly yes. every single night. Yeah, is and then and then you have a, like a show and a, like you know an act and a half left and yeah like, yeah is coming i know it's just like sets the tone for just the rest of the time you're like when like i want more i want more i want more
1: i know and you know you're in a special show when the actors and the crew are standing in the wings watching
2: i was wondering about that and we
1: do that we watch somebody will we watch woman of the world and we watch independently owned and i um that's only happened like twice in my career once was the Lion King when Heather Headley would sing Shadowlands in the second act people would be like clicking in in the wings to check it out and then I did a production of hair with Adina Menzel and um with her her big song you know it was standing room only in the wings but that's what it feels like it chucked every night like we're all dancing we're all lip-syncing along
0: oh it's, I bet
1: it's a joy it's a well, joy
0: I think that everybody needs to share in your joy and go to see, get their tickets to see Shucked yes. at Cedarlander the Theater. And also, um, you know, we're all keeping our fingers crossed for there's Tony nominations coming up oh and no. woo, yeah. seeing you at the Tonys.
1: Well, thank you so much. I would love it just for, especially Robert Brandy and Shane, who have like, You know, worked on this for 10 years, they deserve the, they deserve every bit of um, uh, acknowledgement they can get. So,
2: absolutely. Well, Kevin, thank you so much again. I could talk to you for hours. I could Uh, too. (laughs) It's just such a joy. Next time um, you have anything going on, Please let us know. We know that yes. you're also in Monarch alongside Susan Sarandon. Oh, yes. You know yes. All the things. Um, so anytime you're around, let us know. We well, always- thank you.
1: I'm so thrilled. And I, I can't thank you enough for letting me be here.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you
0: for joining us and congrats on it all.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Bye, okay. guys. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.